Welcome, everybody, to Northridge Church. Glad to have everybody here today. Um, so that video uh, shares the, the sermon series, the message series that we are starting today. And it is very simply called Seven Words to Change Your Life. Seven words to change your life. So what we're going to do for the next seven weeks, including today, we're going to talk about these seven words, and we're going to use a different word each week to talk about seven things that can really change your life, that can change the direction, the trajectory, who you are, who God is to you, your relationship with Christ. And uh, so we're really excited about that. And for those of you who are here for our kickoff and uh, you joined us for the first time, you're a first time guest with us here. I have met a couple of you. I have not met everybody and I look forward to that. Uh, But we want you to know that Northridge Church is a safe place for you, for your family, for your friends, for anybody that comes with you. And we know this is important to you. Right? You wouldn't go to be like, man, I was hoping it was a dangerous place. That was really, that would that, be awesome, right? We know it's important to you that this is a safe place, but we want you to know that we want to and work hard at this being a safe place for you. For you to dig in at your pace, wherever you're at with God, whatever, wherever you're at on that journey. We even have people at Northridge, they're not sure what they believe about Jesus and about God, and that's okay. But what we ask is that everybody, no matter where you're at on that journey, that you ask the hard questions and we will do our best to help answer them because we are trying to answer them as well. And so we're on this journey together. And so we're glad to have all of you here. So as I mentioned before, this series is all about seven words to change your life. And so today we're going to use the first word. We're going to talk about the word yes. One of the simplest, shortest words in our English language, the word yes. Now, if you think about it, uh, the word yes has begun or started some of the biggest moments, some of the most impactful moments, life-changing moments of your life, hasn't it? If you think about it, the word yes. For example, when you took your driver's test the first time and you looked over at your evaluator and you said, did I pass? When he or she said yes, it changed your life, didn't it? And let's be honest, it changed your parents' lives as well, (laughs) for good or bad, (laughs) right? I mean, that's the truth. Will you take, will you accept this job, this position? Yes. Changes things, right? When you ask somebody out, like if you think back to, you know, middle school or high school days or college days, and you ask somebody to go out with you or go to the dance with you or go to a movie or something, and if they said yes, it changed things, didn't it? If you just think about these big moments, if you look at uh, a house or you look at maybe building a house and you're getting the plans and and then it comes time where you have that huge stack of papers and you say, will you buy this? And you sign and you say, yes. See, big changes come with the word yes. And so today I want to talk about what does it mean for us to say yes in our life and say yes to God? And how can that change our life? And so that's what we're going to dig into today. Uh, this past summer, uh, my family and I, Laura and I and our three kiddos, we went to uh, North Carolina for vacation. Uh, actually, we ended up about where Hurricane Florence just hit a couple of days ago. That's where we were at the beach. But on our way down, uh, Laura and I used to live there for several years. We lived there in the early on in our marriage. And so we wanted to take our kids by all the special places, right? I don't think that they cared, but we cared. And we wanted them to care, right? 
And so we drove to all these special places in North Carolina, and uh, like we went to our first house and, and went to the first place where Laura taught third grade right out of college and where I taught high school right out of college at a public high school and coached soccer, and we showed them the fields. We showed them all this stuff. It was just fun, right? And, and the kids actually, to be honest, I joked about it, but they actually kind of were excited about it. They're like, oh, cool. Can we take a picture? Can we do it? Sure. You know, we can do that. Well, on the way from one of those places to another place, Laura and I did not realize this until we actually were on it. But we're driving down this two-lane highway in the eastern section of the county, which is where we used to live. And I, did, I had forgotten, and Laura had forgotten, that this was going to be along the path that we were driving. And all of a sudden, we come up to this park, on the drive, and, and Laura and I look at each other, and we're like, oh, it's the park! And so I hit the brakes and I turn in, you know, because it was last second and everything. And we turn into this park and we tell our kids everything. And this, this is park is this. This is so awesome because of this, blah, blah, blah. And now they're like, wow, mom and dad are really excited. And, uh, and we actually had Jackson, who is my oldest son, take this picture um, outside. And you can kind of see it down there on the low. And, and this is kind of another shot of that park. It's a beautiful park. The reason this park is important is because this is where I asked Laura to marry me. That's where I proposed. Yeah, it's a special park. It's a big deal, right? And we didn't even know we were going to pass it. I mean, we knew it was there, obviously, but we just didn't realize it was you know, on the route to get to this next place. And, and so we slammed on the brakes, and we, this was like a bonus. We hadn't even planned on it. We we're like, kids, this is where it started, <laughs> right? And I won't go into details. I had this thing set up, a poem that I had written, and rose, and all this stuff, right? And the gazebo over there, and, and in this park, and you know, had the whole thing. But then I got down and I asked Laura to marry me, and thankfully, <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> Would have been rough and kind of awkward if she hadn't. Everything changes with yes, doesn't it? Everything. And so we're going to talk about what does it look like to say yes to God, because it will change your life. And so we're going to dig in, and uh, I want to start with a scripture passage, and, uh, and this comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing about the consistency and the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of Jesus. And it's very interesting, and it, it might be a verse that you've never even heard of, because it's not a popular one, it's not one that I hear all that often. But this is what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says this, for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I, Paul pre uh, talking about himself, preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, Jesus always does what he says. For all of God's promises, notice it didn't say some, it didn't say most, it didn't say most of the time, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ, in Jesus, with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but when we pray and you say amen, you're saying yes to whoever's praying and to what we just said. We're saying, so be it. Yes, 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 I want that. I want what we just prayed to happen. We're saying yes to it. It's our confirmation. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So what is this verse, what is this passage saying? Well, very simply what this is saying is, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the big questions of life, 
Are you saved? Does God love you? Will he always love you? Even no matter if you go way off on the deep end and you really mess up. Will God love you? All those big questions. Did Jesus die on the cross for you? Did he raise from the grave for you? Did he do all those things? Does he, is he always going to love you? All those big questions of life. When it comes to the promises of God, the answer from God to you is automatically, always has been, and always will be, yes. Always. There's no like, well, what if there's a really bad person that asks if God will forgive him? then it's probably, and I'm sure it's kind of at least God thinks about it. Nope, it's a yes. Automatic. Because God loves every person, no matter who you are, that much. His answer is always yes. And so, the question becomes, if the answer from God is always yes, now, just so that we're clear, if you ask God for a bigger house or a mocha latte for free, it might not always be yes, just so we're clear, okay? We're talking about the promises of God, and he did not promise you uh, a mocha latte every day, okay? Just so you know. But in the big promises of God, it's always yes. So if his answer is always yes to us, then the question really becomes, because that's consistent, that's always going to be there, it's faithful. The question becomes, what's your response to God? What is your answer to God? Yes or no? And there's not really a gray area, just so we're clear. And so we want to dig into this and kind of talk about this. And you may not be sure, fully sure of what your answer is to that question. If I were to say, what is your yes to God? Have you said yes fully to God? Some of you might not be sure. Well, while you ponder that, what I want to do today is I want to give us two ways today. Isn't that great? I, instead of like a three, typical three-point, I'm giving you two. Like, you're welcome, right? Two points today, two ways, two areas of your life that I believe you need to say yes to God fully without holding something back. So we're going to talk about those two ways. And in order to do this, I want to use a story out of the Bible, out of God's Word. And it's a story about Moses, Moses is somebody that we've probably heard about. We've heard like the Ten Commandments. You might think of Charlton Heston, like booming voice and all this kind of stuff. Well, Moses and God have this amazing relationship. But it didn't start all that well, I wouldn't say. And so I want to dive into where there's this moment where Moses has left Egypt decades ago and has really kind of forgotten who God is in his life to some degree. And all of a sudden, God appears miraculously to Moses. And he begins to speak to Moses. And the reason he does is because he needs to ask Moses to take on this huge, very important mission on behalf of God. So God is going to call Moses to do something, something big. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack this story because what the mission is, is God is going to ask Moses to go back to Egypt and confront the leader of Egypt, we also call him the Pharaoh. At this time in history, this is the most powerful person on the planet, just so that we know what he's doing. The Pharaoh was the most powerful person on the planet in this time of human history. Leads the country of Egypt. He's also known as a deity, right? They worshipped the Pharaoh. He was considered a god. So he has absolute power. 
And what God is asking Moses to do is he wants him to go back to Egypt, confront the Pharaoh, and actually get all of the Israelites, which is about a million people, who are all slaves to the Egyptians. He wants them to, he wants them to confront Pharaoh and demand to Pharaoh, this guy who has absolute power, that the Israelites, all of them, all million strong or so, be freed from slavery so that they can move to a completely different part of the world and start their own nation. This is kind of a big deal. He's going to free a million people from slavery. And so God asks Moses to do this. But the problem with Moses is he has a hard time saying yes. <laughs> he has a hard time saying yes to God because he's just, it's tough. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack this story. And I'm going to unpack several protests that Moses gives to God and the reason I want to do this is because I think that they parallel our protest to God in our life. And you'll kind of see what I mean uh, when we get into it. So let's get into the first one. So God has just said, Moses, I need you to go to Egypt. You're going to confront the Pharaoh. And you're going to demand that all of your people, the Hebrews, the Israelites, are going to be freed from slavery. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I'm sure Moses is like, what? <laughs> but this is his first these are the first words out of his mouth after God calls Moses to do this. Exodus 3.11. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery? Moses, see, by that you can tell right away, he does not believe that he's the right person for the job. Right? Right away, he says, God, are you kidding? Like, I don't know if you were supposed to meet somebody else here at McDonald's today for lunch, but I don't think I was the guy. I think I'm in the wrong spot. Right? I, I think, I mean, really, if this is not, he doesn't say this in as many words, but essentially this is what Moses is saying. God, you messed up. You missed it. I'm not the guy. Who am I? I, I don't know if you, I live in this random place in the desert, and I, you know, I'm married, I have kids, like, I'm not the guy to do this. You, you must have mis mistaken some. He just, he just doesn't see that he has the right identity for this. And this brings up the first point, the first area that you and I need to say yes to God in. It is this. We need to say yes to who God says we are. You need to say yes to who God says you are. Now, that may seem obvious or, you know, whatever. It's like, well, okay. But the truth is we don't do this, do we? We, as humans, we typically live with labels, don't we? Labels that, there's come, they really come from two places. A lot of us live with labels that other people have placed upon us, don't we? Let me just give you a few labels that some people live with. My guess is one or many of these will resonate with you. You're ugly. You're not good enough. You're never going to be able to do it. You're not smart enough. You're a nerd. You're a jock. You're stuck up. You're dirty. You're weak. You're not a good mom. You're not a good dad. You're really not a good person. Those sting a bit, don't they? Do they, any of those resonate with you? I bet they do. 
Because some people have labeled you that way. Somewhere along the way. Maybe it was a mom and a dad. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was just a bully. Maybe it's somebody at work that still does this to you. And some of us live with labels and we start believing and accepting things that people tell us we are. Right? And that's where the second label comes from. Sometimes we slap labels on ourselves. Sometimes we come up with them. Sometimes we say, well, I am this and I am that. And sometimes it's strong, sometimes it's weak. But we label ourselves. We say, I am this. I'm going to do this. This is who I am. And we decide we're going to label ourselves or we get labeled by somebody else and we start looking at that label long enough and we start believing it. You hear me? Does it resonate? Some of you have been believing lies your whole life. It's not who God created you to be, but you've accepted labels from somebody else or you've come up with your own label and it does not fit. And God says, I created you for this reason, this purpose. In fact, we know Moses struggled this. Listen to what he says. This is a whole nother chapter later. So you know how long this conversation with God is. By the end of this, just so you know, God is like, seriously, Moses. Unbelievable. You realize I'm God. I can do anything, right? This thing goes on for two chapters in the Bible, right? So Exodus 4.10, this is what Moses is still protesting. He's pleading. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. See, what? this might be a weird verse, but what Moses is saying is, I'm not capable of doing what you're asking me to do. You don't understand, God. I can't speak well. Pharaoh is like this huge monumental person. He's like a deity. I, there's no way I can speak before Pharaoh. I can hardly speak to you, God. Right? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not good enough. Let, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt not good enough to do something? <laughs> I'm sure you have. Have you ever felt not good enough to do something that God called you to do? Let me give you a few examples. How many of you don't read the Word of God, don't read the Bible because you don't know where to start? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many, how many of you feel that way? I know most of you do because I get that question every single week, just about every single week. Maybe not every single week, pretty close. And that's good. You know what? You know why I get so excited when I get that question? I don't go, wow, I can't believe they have no clue. Unbelievable. <laughs> right? That's not my response. And I know that, I, I'm sure that that's probably why people don't ask that, that question a lot. They're like, oh, I don't want him to know. He's the pastor. Like, he knows the Bible. He, should, he would expect that I should know something. No, I wouldn't. But what I get excited about is when you do ask that question, I know you're trying to say yes to God. And that gets me excited. You better be asking that question. Because if you're not in the Word of God, then you are saying no to God. Don't let... I'm not good enough, or I don't know how to do it. Uh, let, me, let me pick a little bit. This is digging a little deeper. I'm sorry, but let's get there. Okay? How many of you don't pray because you just think, I don't know how to pray? Yeah, you do. Do you know how to talk to people? <laughs> Guess what? You know how to pray. Because prayer is just a fancy little word. We should just call it talking, because that's what it is, and listening. It's just like when you have a conversation. Sometimes you're talking, sometimes you're listening. That's what prayer is. Sometimes you can talk to God, but sometimes you better close your mouth and listen. <laughs> it's a conversation with God. 
We need to say yes to God, and we need to say yes to who God says we are. Let me give you an illustration of this. If I were to bring in some machine or some gadget that none of us in here have ever seen, right? This is something that we don't know what it is. We don't even recognize the parts in that machine, right? It, it, maybe it's from another world or whatever. I don't care, but whatever it is. And I set it down here in front of all of us, right? This, this thing in this machine, this gadget, and we've never seen it before. And I say, okay, let's talk about it. What do you guys think this is? What do you think it does? What do you think it's there for? What's its purpose? Like, how does it work? Right? We'd probably have, what, 130, 150 different theories on what this thing is, right? We probably would. I would have my own theory. I'm probably sure it'd probably be wrong. <laughs> you guys know my mechanical prowess is not huge, right? But we'd have our theories, but, and we'd have all these guesses. But how could we absolutely 100% know what this gadget is, how it was made, and what it does. Do you know how we can know 100%? We bring in the creator of whoever made that. Right? There's a creator who made you. He made you for a reason. You're unique for a purpose. And the way to find that out is to say yes to who God says you are. Stop living with labels that you or other people have put on you. Don't do it. Because God has made you for far more than a label. Because he loves you way more than any label could ever do. So say yes to who God says you are. Second area that we need to say yes to God in is this. We need to say yes to what God tells you to do. This is a hard one too. You can see these two points are not light. <laughs> say yes to who God says you are and say yes to what God tells you to do. Neither one of these things are easy. But we need to do it. When Moses and God are talking, uh, God tells Moses all these things. And as we've seen, we, he kind of protests a lot. And and the truth is, he, he goes into there and, and, and he's going to protest a lot. But let me just give you a quote from a book that I heard from another pastor. It was phenomenal. I was like, okay, this, this fits with this sermon so well. Um, and it comes from a book called Talking to God by Adam Weber. And, uh, and in this book, he quotes, he, he writes this quote that he's explaining what it looks like or what it means or what the definition is of a person that is growing in their relationship with God. And I want you to just hear this because, and the reason I'm sharing the quote, as you would guess, I think that he nails it. Like, it's just, couldn't be better. He says, one of the clearest ways I can see if someone is growing in their relationship with God is that person's willingness to say yes to God. To big things, to small things, and particularly, take notice of this, and particularly to things that don't make sense or are out of one's comfort zone. Just so you're clear, when it's outside of your comfort zone and you think you can't do it, there's a real good possibility it's because God is asking you to do it. Because he knows better than you. He always has. He always will. And so Moses is in this midst of this thing where he, he, he knows he should say yes, but he can't. He doesn't want to. And so I want to highlight three more excuses that Moses gives. I've already given you two, but he has, he has a bunch. <laughs> I'm not even giving you all of them today. 
But he has three other excuses that he gives, and I want to share these because I think that we all struggle with these, to be honest. I think we do. Okay, so, so Moses again, God's calling him and says he's given all these answers to Moses. Moses keeps asking questions, but these are his three big excuses for why he can't do or won't do what God is asking him to do. But Moses just needs to say yes to what God is calling him to do, but he won't. Listen to what he says, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. You see a theme here, don't you? What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Right? Now, now, what is that talking about? What that's talking about is Moses is really scared about what people think. Do you notice that? He's not scared for his life. He's not worried like they're going to hurt me. No, he's scared that they're not going to believe him. He's scared that these people are going to think he's weird, that, they're, that he's going to lose some friends over this, that, that they're going to look at and they're going to be like, Moses, what? Lord never got, so God spoke to you in a burning bush? This guy's weird. Like, let's go, right? He doesn't, he doesn't want to look strange. Right? I mean, do you guys like to look strange? Like, you prefer that? I doubt it. Me neither. And that's what Moses is dealing with. He's, he's scared. He's fearful of what is going on here. He doesn't want to make, make a mistake. He doesn't want to look dumb. And so, a lot of times I think we're like Moses and we say no because we're scared. We're worried about what that person's going to say. I bring this up all the time, but how many of you have people in mind that you know you should have invited to Northridge months ago, but you will not because you're worried about what they're going to say to you? That's fear. That's you just being scared to not do what God is calling you to do because you're worried about it, about what they're going to do, about if you're going to lose a relationship or a friendship. We can't live in fear. Let me give you another one. Paul, we're going to go jump backwards, all right? because I skipped one. Exodus 3.13 says this, But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? <laughs> Moses is basically saying, God, just so you know, I don't even know your name. <laughs> you obviously have messed up here. <laughs> I'm the wrong guy. Like, I haven't opened my Bible in years. And God says, no, you're the right guy. But Moses is saying, I can't do it, right? It's that whole getting into your Bible thing. It's all that whole prayer thing. It's like, I can't do this. I'm not capable. Let me ask you this. Because I know that this tends to be a belief that, that some of us tend to have. You don't have to raise your hand on this. I just want you to think about it. How many of you would say, you can't be a pastor because you don't know enough about the Bible? I'm here to tell you that that's a lie from the pit of hell. I didn't become a, can I tell you the key to serving God? Whether it's for a pastor, whether it's just in your everyday life, whether it's somebody who's broken down the road, whether it's a neighbor who needs to be invited to church, whether it's, it doesn't matter what, it, whether it's jumping in, getting involved in a food drive. You know what the biggest key factor is? It's not how much you know, it's how much you're surrendered to God. I didn't become a pastor because I know enough. I know I'm a pastor because I surrendered to what God told me I should do. 
And you guys are no different. So what is God calling you to do? Are you saying yes? Let's go to the last one. This is one that Moses mentions that I think we all deal with. If we were just being honest. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. This is Moses' kind of last-ditch effort to get out of it. But he shows his true heart, and I think he shows our true heart. Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, the reason Moses has spent two whole chapters giving excuses and rationale as to why he can't do it, he's got the wrong guy, really when it comes down to it, Moses doesn't want to do it. That's what it comes down to. It's really simple. Moses says, God, I don't want to do it. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to move. I don't want to have to face my wife and tell her. <laughs> She's going to think I'm crazy. I don't, want, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to do this. Send anyone else, God. Anyone. I, I just, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to. Here's the reason I tell this story and why this story is so powerful to me, and I think it might be for you. This story is very similar to my own story. I've been making fun of Moses, but the truth is I'm very much like Moses. I am. When Laura and I were called clearly by God to leave North Dakota and move here to plant or to start a new church in Dane County, Wisconsin, you guys wouldn't know it, but I spent several months basically having a dialogue like Moses had with God. I wrestled with God on this stuff. And I gave God the same excuses that Moses gave. Same ones that I just said. I, didn't, I, I, I still sometimes don't feel this way, but I didn't feel at all like I could do this. I was like, God... Do you, I don't know if you know, but I've just been in ministry like for, for four years. I was a teacher before this. I haven't even led a church yet. I've just been on staff. I, I don't even know how to lead a church, let alone start a church. I don't even know how to start. Like, how do you do that? Right? I, I, I really was. I, I was There's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of issues with me saying, I, there's no way I can do this. I, I just can't. In fact, this is kind of a funny slash serious part of the story but when we chose, when we knew that we needed to move from North Dakota to Dane County to start a new church, um, we had to go through something called assessment. And it's three days of, well, I have another phrase in my head, but it's three days of intensity where they examine every aspect of your life. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> And, and we went through this, and, and so here's the reason. that You go through the assessment, and you either get a red light, a yellow light, or a green light at the end of that. It's just their signals and their ways of saying, you know, green light is you're good. We feel like, you know, your, your faith is solid, your marriage is solid, whatever else, everything they examine, like, you're good. And, and yellow light is like, we got to work on a couple things. There's a couple of red flags that we see, but we just need to work on those. And then, and then the, red, the, the red light is not like no forever, but just we've got some things that we need to make sure that you've got that we just need to talk through because this could be a liability for your life. And so it's very brutal, very honest, very, 
dig under the layers, make sure you're all good. And uh, so in, going into that assessment, what Laura and I had to do is we had to send off this huge packet where we answered tons of deep personal questions about our faith, about our marriage, about family, about everything, and send this off to this person that we don't know, this, our assessor, who's going to be flying into Indiana because we all had to gather in Indiana to do this. And, uh, and she was flying and she was reading through this thing. And after the assessment, Laura and I got a green light, which was a miracle yes. I kid you not, a miracle yes. And this is why I know it was a miracle yes. Because I didn't feel like a church planner. I didn't think I could do it. And, and truth be told, the assessor actually told us after we got the green light, praise the Lord, she told us after. But she had been reading through the application, all the stuff, and seeing the kind of people we were and all kind of stuff. And she said, there's no way they're going to make it. According to what I see here, they're, just, they're not church planners. She told us that. And I was fine accepting that because we had already gotten a green light. I'm like, okay, God's good. <laughs> and it's partly why I just didn't feel capable. I didn't feel like I was the right person. I was scared. I'm still scared some days, honestly. And as a result of that, I was like, Moses, God send somebody else. I, d I just don't want to do it. There's a lot of safer options out there. I can make better money. I can do b better things here, there, doing this, whatever. I was scared. I just didn't want to do it. It's not that I didn't want to serve God. It's not that I didn't believe God, but I just, it was hard, yes. But I knew, and Laura knew, that we needed to say yes. We knew it. Deep down, we knew we were out of God's will, that our life would be harder. It would be much harder for us if we said no to God. We knew it. There's something just that God helped us to understand that, that if you say no, life is gonna stink for you. And he didn't give any promise, by the way, of coming to Dane County either. Like, it's all going to work out. It's going to be beautiful. But the reason I say that is, guys, listen. God has made you who you are for a purpose, for a reason. And he's also calling you to do stuff. It does not matter how old you are, how young you are, whether you're married or not, whether you're a kid or whether you are 70, 80, 90 years old. It does not matter. God made you for a reason, and God is still, still calling you to do stuff. I hope you're not just sitting on your hands, scared, and saying no to God, because life will be much worse for you. That's not a fear thing. That's not a warning. I'm just saying it will because it's kind of like a hammer trying to drive in a screw. It's not going to work. You might get the screw in there, but it's going to cost you a lot. And it's going to tear the board up. and It's going to be a mess. So you can make it work, but it's not going to be the best. Not even close. So what I want to leave you with today is this. I started this morning by telling you about the engagement to Laura. We got a, the poem, the flowers there. I got down on my knee and I asked Laura if she would marry me. Again, she said yes. But I, I got to thinking this week. What if she had said no? What if her answer to that was no? Our marriage doesn't exist. 
Jackson, Hannah, and Tanner don't exist. More than likely, Northridge Church doesn't exist because the pathway is completely different. One yes can change everything. So my question to you is, will you say yes to God? To who he says you are and to what he's calling you to do. God promises it will be the fullest and best life you've ever known. He does, just so that we're clear, he does not promise it'll be the easiest, but he does promise it's gonna be the best. It's gonna be amazing. Northridge Church, hardest thing I've ever done. Hands down, I've had some of the hardest days in my entire life because of Northridge. Not because of you guys, but because of the process that it takes to do this. But it also, I can tell you, has been the most amazing blessing in Laura and I's life that I just cannot explain to you. Don't rob yourself of God's blessing and don't rob other people who God wants to bless through you by saying no to God. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never chosen to give your life to Jesus, say, I believe in you. I'm going to commit my life to you. you. You can do that anytime. You can do that today. If you've been saying yes to God, but you've been doing the, what I would call the yes but, do not yes but God. Yes, I'll go, God, but I need to have this amount of salary and this money, and I need to keep these couple of friends. That's not saying yes to God, just so you're clear. That's you with conditions. That's yes butting God. Don't do it. By the way, if you have decided, if you know God is calling you to do something and you're not saying yes, but you're just kind of procrastinating, you're holding off and waiting for the moment, like, uh, well, we need to have a couple more kids or I need to get, make sure my job is settled before I serve in the church or do that. Really? Okay, just so that we're clear, you're saying no to God. Just so we're clear. That's not procrastination. You can call it whatever you want, but you're lying to God's face. You're lying to your own face. Not saying yes to God is saying no to God. Will you say yes? I hope and encourage you to say yes because it will be the best thing that you've ever done. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for being consistent and our perfect and ultimate yes. For anyone in here, maybe they didn't realize they were gonna have to deal with this today and that's okay, it's good. God, if there's somebody in here who has never given their life to you, Jesus, I pray that they would just pray this prayer. Jesus, I admit I need you. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead three days later. I believe you conquered sin, my sin, 
and death with your actions. And today, Jesus, I commit my life to you. Today, I will be known as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian. For the rest of us in here, if we've already done that, but maybe if we'd be honest, we've been saying, yes, but. God, I pray that you would change that to just yes and allow you to work it out in us. If there are people who are scared, if there are people who are unsure, if there are people here who are living with labels that they or somebody else has put on, I pray that you would just rip that off, tear that label away, and help them to see who they were created to be. Beautiful, amazing, valuable, and with great purpose. God, help us to say yes. Not yes with conditions, but just fully, completely. We'll work it out in the, in the future. Yes. And we thank you for being our ultimate yes, God. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.